gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's happening everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. My name's Stephen Wilson, back in the hosting chair after a long couple of months off and we are here today to talk about the two most iconic women in wrestling history. No, we're not talking about Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. We're talking about Trish and Lita. So before we get on to talking about those two Hall of Famers, a bit of housekeeping for you here. So you can subscribe to us on all good podcasting sites to hear our great back catalogue. It's iTunes, Android sites, Spotify, you name it, we are on it. You can also get us on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Suplex Retweet. And we also have a Patreon, which is full of exciting content such as the Raw Report, Taking Smack, which is a review of Smackdown. <laughs> Don't get too excited. Wednesday Night Wars, the Monday Night Rewind, and so much more. Now, one thing left to do is to introduce my panel for this lovely episode. First, what's worse than an asshole? An asshole who seems to be good at everything. A man I associate for a bloodline alone. It's Gary Kernan. Oh, thank you. When I was looking around, I, I mean, I recognised the arsehole. I recognised the arsehole part of it. But when you say a man that was good at everything, I wasn't expecting you to come to me. And I've got to take a noise. When we promote the Patreon channel, nobody ever mentions my show. Four Man Fatal. The bi-weekly review Can of NXT say, UK. You, you even got the name wrong. What, what did I say? Four Man Fatal. Four Man Fatal. That's what happens when you hang out with Dave Hockney. <laughs> you, Gary, you deserve a medal for doing that show every, every four weeks, David. <laughs> our, next pan- our next panelist. This man is like a dodgy fart. He lingers about for too long and won't go away no matter where you go. It's Scott McLeod! Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're talking about me like. First off, you don't mention the best show that we've got on Patreon, Saturday Draft Live with me and David Campbell. And now you're saying we're not talking about the Iconics. Don't be joking me. <laughs> oh, man. What am I dealing with this evening? Saving the best for last, then, is a U- is our, one of our US members here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. A man when he hears about karaoke straight in there. <laughs> it's, of course, Jack Graham. Jack, how you doing? I am doing very well. Very well. Hold, I appreciate hold, the karaoke reference. Hold, hold, hold the bus, right? <laughs> He's been here a while now. We should be slacking him. I, know, I don't know enough. Uh, of, yeah. I don't. I don't know enough about him yet. That's true. It's, it's, it's the first. It's the first show we've been on together. Give me some time, you know, and I'll, I'll find him. Just call The extension of love is, <laughs> is so very much appreciated. He just, he just needs time to dislike you, <laughs> Jack. Have you got a Patreon show that I've not plugged? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can take over from Dave Hawk. <laughs> And last, lastly, we are in the Christmas season at all, but this man has never experienced the joy of a cheese board on Christmas Day. <laughs> That's quacky, Adi. I actually haven't. No, I actually haven't. No. How you doing? I'm not bad. I don't care really. Anyway. We, know, we know about your Patreon show, that one about Scottish wrestling. It's not got a name yet. And it's Arthur Troll. Intent? No. <laughs> Please carry on. So, yes. Tonight we're here to talk about Trish and Lita, two Hall of Famers and two of the greatest to ever grace the ring in women's wrestling. Uh, so we're going to start off the show by talking about uh, Canadians, Canadians, <laughs> Canada's favourite, uh, that is Trish Stratus, who was originally a fitness model and a cover model uh, in 1998. She would also become a co-host of the 
Toronto Sports Radio podcast or radio show at the time, live audio wrestling before she signed a WWE contract in November 1999, before she would make her debut on March 19, 2000, along with Test and Albert. Gary, I'll start with you on this one. What was your thoughts on Trish when she made her debut in the WWE? Oh, I was watching Trish's uh, 24 show on the network in preparation for, for today and it was interesting to get the reminders back of her sort of when the days when people used to debut by just randomly walking out mm-hmm. and walking down the aisle watching a bit of a random test match which nobody would ever choose to do <laughs> and then turning around and walking away um, and then doing the same with a man slightly less hairier than you Stephen with Big <laughs> Albert as well uh, I mean f- first thing is you know when you see her she was quite typical of some of the females in WWE of that time and her initial appearances when she started to talk when she put TNA together she was uh, fumbling in the way that I'm fumbling just now looking for words <laughs> in front of an audience you know but you, you actually seen her grow as a performer with every passing week so those are the sort of memories that jump out initially mm-hmm. me uh, it was a good way to make use of, you know, she had signed with WWE, as you mentioned, in 1999, you know, looking for something to do with her. So it was a good way to, you know, take these two characters that were were just doing nothing really in Test now, <laughs> but and make something of them. And I think that actually went on to be a pretty decent team at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jack, what was your... Um did you really care much about Tess and Albert before they put Trish Whiffer as a manager at this particular point in time? I mean, two years old. Two years old. No, <laughs> I wasn't. But when I uh, watched it back, just, just drop it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was just I was more. I was more just kind of interested in the presentation how Trish came about. At the time, just kind of standing at the top, stop, top of the stage, mm-hmm. and then Davey was finely dressed, smart as anything. It's kind of like, oh, who's this mm-hmm. magnificent being? <laughs> so I was kind of that kind of got me captivated in the way of I want to see what's happening here let's keep going mm-hmm. Scott what was quite refreshing about it? I mean obviously as Jack mentioned she came out she was obviously a beautiful presence at the mm-hmm. top of the ramp I think I'll say it at that one she's she still looks great for her age you know we'll <laughs> talk about it maybe a bit later on well, well, well not for her age just full stop she looks good what age is she now because she, she retired in she her 40s 30, or something. she was 30 she when she retired, retired so first she must time. 43 <laughs> 43 I mean she's 43 Gary you're about, you're about 37 or something yeah 37 in a couple of weeks and look at the difference presents. <laughs> <laughs> how hard was that paper ring <laughs> um, but um, what was refreshing as well is that I didn't really realise fully until the, the 24 documentaries. Gary mentioned how big a wrestling fan she was. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you didn't really set her apart from a lot of the other women who they're bringing in at the time because you first see her and you think she's been brought in to do what so many of the women at that time were doing. She's like just standing there like at ringside accompanying somebody, not wrestling and basically just be there to be looked at really. But I think the fact that she was a wrestling fan, I think she knew she had a role to play and she knew that she could do a lot more mm-hmm. I think there are quite a few people who well I mean even the years after that would come in with very little wrestling experience they thought it's a way for me to get myself out there it's maybe a way for me to get on telly and I think what's good with Trish is it only took her a few months really to set herself apart from everybody else because she actually when she started talking she started showcasing that she can play a natural heel which she would be for much of her career mm. the, obviously the Tess and Albert tag team name TNA yes. <laughs> uh, before obviously the company TNA um, <laughs> do you think it was inspired by I that? think it was I think it was actually yeah. you think, uh, Jim, well, 
Jeff Jarrett was just left WWE at that particular point in time. So you think there was a bit? I mean, total non-stop action is just a bit mm-hmm. random. I was a play in the words, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And Trish used that well because in the promo she would cut in the ring, especially the first one she did with the team that everybody wants a bit of Tess and Albert. <laughs> <laughs> said nobody. You look at you look at Tess's uh, career. I mean, he had uh, he was part of TNA, mm-hmm. which was obviously a reference to something. Else. And there was also his testicles <laughs> <laughs> when he was with uh, Stacey Keebler. Yes, he's done. He's he's certainly punching a wee bit like yourself, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> punching above my weight, as per always. Uh, uh, Jack, I'll go back to you. What was your? Um, obviously, you mentioned that your first thoughts of Trish were obviously how amazing she looked and everything like that. At all. Did you think at that point in time that she was mainly just going to be brought in for eye candy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Full stop. Yes. <laughs> this is a short discussion. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I didn't think anything much of. It. I just thought, kind of, when I watched it, obviously, recently at that time, at that age. I, it wasn't a time where there was any kind of female prominence of doing well in a ring of that, so I thought, yes, she is good looking, she will just be there mm-hmm. to be that kind to get folks when they watch these kind of lesser good matches. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we've, as we've said, I mean, what was, um, if you look at Test and Albert at this point in time, what were they actually doing? You know, mm-hmm. what, 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 Scott, you might have a good idea. <laughs> Nothing, because Test had just come off, he had been more prominently featured on TV because he was in that storyline with Stephanie. And as soon as she was a Triple H, it's all okay. Naturally, the progression is Triple H v Vince, not Triple H versus the man whose wife he just stole. <laughs> so Tess needed something. They thought, okay, well, we went for one woman. Let's give you another woman because clearly you're not interested enough on your own. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. So, uh, but we'll talk a lot more about actually what Trish did with uh, Tess and Albert in a little bit. But we'll move on now to Lita. Uh, Lita had a. A bit different of a journey mm. uh, from Trish, I think it was fair to say. Uh, um, Jack, I'll go to you again on this one. Um, Travelling through Mexico, did you know that uh, she she worked as a dancer to finance her early wrestling career? No, but I could imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> right to the point, man. That's what we like. That's what the analysis here. <laughs> what analysis we were that one. Yeah, she was, um, she was a dancer called Misty. That's how she funded her... As, a, as she went on a journey through Mexico, uh, but then she actually she would go on to wrestle in ECW. Yeah. Scott as a miscongeniality. Yeah, that was interesting. I think it's one of those like I don't think she was there for very long because the women there are very few notable women who went through ECW. So I think it's almost a kind of a blinking you'll miss it kind of run. But the Mexican connection I think really makes sense when you think of how she came in. She was paired with S.A. Rios or Aguilar as he was once known in Mexico. Yes, as um. Strack would mention a lot, but serious <laughs> is that in that particular character. Um, Scott uh, Gary would onto that one. Um, appearing with S.A. Rios in February of 2013. When you seen this kind of pairing initially, what was your thought? Lita was there. S.A. Rios. <laughs> I mean, somebody more random and obscure than Viscera, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what's the what's the time? What's the time? Ten minutes out. Ten minutes out. The sort of references it. It is a classic example of when you take a wrestler that looks like they have all the talent in the world, but no charisma or personality, and pair them with a a valley in this instance to be. He had red hair, like really red hair. 
to make <laughs> make them look good and uh, it doesn't work and in this instance the star, there was no doubt who was the star of the show mm-hmm. yeah but you got to remember that S.A. Rios' debut as together they won well they won sorry he won the light heavyweight championship mm-hmm. do, we, uh, do you remember who he beat for the light heavyweight championship Gilbert <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jack, that was a phenomenal match, that one. Looking back on it, highlight of my time watching that, honestly. No, I was, uh, again, it was the kind of, I remember watching that, it was just the same kind of thing that I had with Trish. I was like, oh, Slater, <laughs> nice to see her here. There we go. I never thought again that I'd be seeing her and how far she would have got at that point, so it was rather surprising to say the least. I mean, who would you, uh, Scott, who would you say was standing out uh, in this particular match? Other than, of course, Gilbert. <laughs> Can't forget about the man. It's a weird thing because they come out as standing on the ramp while they both rush to the ring because the match is not a very long one because, surprise, surprise, uh, you're not going to give it an hour-long draw from bloody Gilbert. But, like, it was just, just a really rush thing. Like, oh, it's live out tight. Let's get out of here as quickly as we can. It was basically like, oh, he used to be another name, but now he's called Esirios. Oh, look, now he's the light heavyweight champion. Look at his red hair. <laughs> Like it's basically a blinky or miss it debut for both of them. You'd almost be freaking forgetting that Lita was there. Well, that's the thing, Gary. Um, you talked about Trish's. She kind of came out to the ramp, kind of did it for both Tess and did it for both Albert. But this one was kind of. It wasn't even advertised. It was just kind of Gilbert was in the middle of the ring saying, I need some challengers because, you know, he'd had that championship for what, like 15 odd years? <laughs> and never defended it and never defended it once. This kind of was just like. If you, d- you wouldn't have really realised that this was going to happen you look at the career Lita had afterwards it's I mean, amazing that way that she just debuted out of nothing complete afterthought it feels like and the light heavyweight title you can say that as well about that there was a complete afterthought Gilbert won it and you know it's not exactly a who's who of wrestling that held that went on to hold that title but yeah she WWE was really guilty of this for once Once upon a time, that people would appear with no introduction and no backstory. They did so many times. And, you know, there were some folk that appeared over the years that could have been, been decent and were good in WWE's de- developmental territory. They appeared with next to no fanfare and with the sort of boring Titan Tron entrance and the sort of music with like two chords in it. Uh, <laughs> The creator wrestler theme type idea. Yeah, exactly. And I think Essie Rios felt like this. Um, and you know, they, they Rios, I was taking the mic out of him a minute ago. He could do some really good moves in the ring, and uh, with the right opponent, could have put on some good matches. And he did go on to have some good opponents. Um, well, of course, that match at WrestleMania in 1998, which um, <laughs> Dr. Strack, Strack will say, is one of the best. WrestleMania openers of all time, and we know Kwaku thinks it's Sheamus and Daniel Bryan, but let's not <laughs> let's not get into that debate today. Why not? I don't remember that being mentioned, argued too hardly in our show <laughs> on that very topic. I don't remember S.A. Rios's name appearing in those discussions. Because Sheamus Daniel Bryan was the best, and we all accepted this. <laughs> Even Hockney, uh, David Meltzer, Hockney. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's two things that never been compared. They've but I mean, it, it, the comparison's a good one to draw, Stephen, though. It, you know, Trish gets introduced and you get this little bit, oh, who's this? And slowly the character gets introduced and builds up versus Essie Rios and Lita who just appear and have a match. You know, the the former is a much better way of introducing but, somebody. But again, we talked, uh, Gary mentions there are different kind of introductions, but when you look at kind of their interactions, first of all, Lita, off the back, pulling out all these 
Hurricane Rana's from the top rope, you instantly thought, mind as you said, good looking girl, but she was athletic and she could go in the ring. Early on, it was, that was really clear that she had the skills. Yeah, it was definitely, I'd say, I feel like brought a bigger eye to the kind of female wrestling scene when I've seen that the, there, there was someone that can do the stuff that men can. Gage that thing was like, oh, why is, why have we been sleeping on this for so long? Why can't we do something mm-hmm. with this? And normally that's, we got to see that later in the... It brought years. a lot of intrigue as well, because it was kind of at a point where the women's division was at, at standstill a wee bit, you know, Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was, we'd have a, one month later, the magnificent five-star match at WrestleMania 2000 <laughs> uh, between the cat and Tori. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Terry, sorry, not Tori. Yeah. Well, like, they both wrestled in high heels. We, we reviewed that for the Patreon network. Yes, that's a few... Few hours of my life will never get back. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where Lita, uh, she immediately made sure she stood because I think before her it was very rare to see any of the women in the company go anywhere near the top rope and then she's out busting out moonsaults and stuff like that. So immediately people are going to take notes and people are going to be, she's going to get really popular because she's pulling at these things that nobody else is doing. And it's wasn't it funny how. I think it's because of her wrestling background. She's in the ring much earlier than Trish is. Trish did have very little wrestling experience yeah. at the point before this one. As I said, she was a when she, she started her modelling gig, she was kind of headhunted for that type of thing, and then she kind of developed into the wrestling role via the, the media work. I believe it was a uh, Gary what the name Michael Hayes that kind of tempted her to kind of come in. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, if there was a man that looked like a sex pest in a deviant, <laughs> it's Michael Hayes, isn't it? And um, he certainly has an eye for talent. <laughs> and in this instance, he was proven to be right. Michael Hayes, proud to be a listener of the show. I mean, to be, to be honest, is there many people that can pull off wearing a three-piece suit? <laughs> what? <laughs> you go eye for talent and then pull off <laughs> a three piece a, a man that can pull off a three piece suit and a bum bag <laughs> that's quite a look and he's going to be he's going to get mentioned again later on because the Hardys exchange Michael Hayes for Lolita <laughs> now that's certainly trading up <laughs> and that is a, quite an upgrade that'd be like, that'd be like when, when you get Jack on your NXT UK show with a set of Hockney <laughs> so talking about the Hardys, I mean, me and Ross were talking about uh, the No Way Out 2000 where they lost another manager. They went through quite a few managers at the Hardys. Gangrel at that point, wasn't and, and then they lost uh, Terry because she said, I'd want to abuse you, I'm going to cost you this match. I said to Ross, the Hardys are like a good pair of trousers that you want to wear on the night out, but Lita is that jacket that goes with it, and the Hardys couldn't find the jacket to go with their new trousers for the night out. That's what I compare the Hardys looking for the right manager because they're like, okay, Michael Hayes didn't work, let's try Gangrel. Okay, used being vampires didn't work. Let's try something else. This was like rehearsing for our fashion show on the pod, on the Patreon site. This <laughs> is how we judge how everybody looks, you know, as we sit here. Not that they're exactly fashion icons ourselves. Well, speak for yourself. I don't know. If I was looking at myself, well, <laughs> these trainers are. Look at the state of these trainers. I know the listeners can't see how bad these trainers. This look. is great, great radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we talk about their, their respective careers, aside. Um, who would you say had the better debut, Trish or Lita Scott start with you? I think Trish, purely for the fact that you actually noticed her mm-hmm. more so because the debut for Leo was more so about S.A. Rios coming in and win the Titan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack? Yeah, I'd definitely say Trish as well. I thought it was more light on her compared to what Leo was at the time of her debut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, to continue my feud with David Campbell on this, Lita. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kerry. I think you're on your own, Quacker. I will also <laughs> say Trish. Yeah, I would say Trish as well. I felt a lot more impactful than actually. Um, Later, I was impressed as she was, you know. I was on a random and chuck Sunday Night Heat. If Sunday Night Heat wasn't on Channel 4, I would never have seen it. <laughs> well, that's another thing they both have in common. They both debuted on Sunday Night Heat, didn't they? Mm-hmm. They made that board deal about Trish. They kind of brought up our actual all that, yeah. our other stuff. And I mean, you weren't going to get a test match in Raw at that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the year that test lasted really long in the Royal Rumble. So, and then they kind of realised, why are we pushing test? <laughs> but enough about test. Uh, that's for the Patreon channel. <laughs> uh, but now we're going to talk about their careers away from each other because obviously this um, theme of this show is obviously about the two of them so in the second half of the show we'll talk a lot about how they interacted with each other so the first thing we'll talk about is on Trish as T- with TNA 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 the first big feud Scott mm-hmm. with the Dudleys yeah you know um, what was your memories on um, TNA versus the Dudleys and the big bump that Trish took very early in her career. I was going to say, like, what I was saying a minute ago is like how it didn't take long to actually go from just being eye candy to actually being a proper character and a heel, because like this is like four months after her debut and she's one of the, one of the hottest things that crowd wants to see is, let's see this woman get put to the table, we don't, we don't like her, we hate, we want the Dudleys not TNA, we want to see her get put through the table and TNA kept denying people the idea of kept protecting Trish and, and not torturing and bubbling and she kept going them on like, Go on, I know you want to put me through a table to get filming herself with these tables and <laughs> making all sorts of innuendos. You know, who's a fan of tables? <laughs> Nobody else more than Bubba, eh? Uh, but then after that with Gary, she would then kind of, as the months went on, her promos would start to kind of develop, but as you said earlier mm-hmm. on, she was still quite shaky in the very end. It took her a long time to kind of get a footing in that side of things, I think it was fair. So. Yeah, and then when you look at her later in the career, just for a comparison, I think when she turned heel on Jericho, I mean, mm. some of her mate work then I thought was really good. Yeah, she was, you kind of, you really wanted to hear, you know. Yeah. Uh, Kwaku obviously is the big Jericho fan there. Was, was not a Trish fan in 2004. Beach. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's... It, one of the things that Trish said in the, the documentary is, and Scott, this is the point Scott was touching on, that when she got the chance, she was clearly training and working hard behind mm-hmm. the screens, scenes, and Jim Ross talked a lot about that, about her reliability and her work ethic, and she was getting noticed because she was turning up early and getting the chance to work out in the ring with Fit Finlay's mentioned a lot. Yeah, Lita talks that. about Aaron Anderson in her book. Mm-hmm as well as folk that were always there and ready to, to do some of the training and she spoke about uh, looking for an opportunity that wasn't available mm-hmm. so the parts that she was playing she, you know, she really maximised the minutes took the most that she got to be part of the product and then when the chance came to get in the ring and do something more physical mm-hmm. she was determined to show that she was able to do all the things that you've seen at that time the men yeah. just doing when I talked about Talk about taking opportunities, uh, Jack. One of the other, other opportunities she got was she kind of expanded her managerial skills and she ended up uh, managing Val Venus, <laughs> or as it became at that point, the big Val Volsky. Uh, not quite the same success of TNA, I think it was fair to say, that partnership. No, I guess still maybe because of how green she was at the time, she found it difficult to make transition from a role that she was kind of maybe getting comfortable in to being something new, something new dynamic she had to work a bit. As it says, it's kind of you saw her gradually improve, 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 and she's got to where she is. But uh, not long after that, she kind of she was kind of chucked 
into a kind of another angle which maybe felt like a bit uncomfortable with the whole thing with Vince McMahon in oh, early yeah. uh, 2001. What was your memory of uh, that whole thing with her and Vince? Uh, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> this is, there was a, the, as I kind of, I've watched quite a bit of it a lot in the, the past year mm-hmm. with what I've been doing kind of project wise and the and kind of being like kind of treated as a kind of lap dog and kind of walking about parading the ring and just never had but it's like it's disgusting to think about I get why it happened so it's like kind of that was what TV was back then but gosh, it's a horrible horrible thing to ever get someone to do just to get on TV and it's so weird when you're the one that's booking it and you're the one that's making it that was the thing with Vince he did it quite a lot in that period of time we saw it with him Sable mm-hmm. a few yeah. years later as well he it's interesting this is interesting I agree that the overarching point is this doesn't stand the test of time and when you look back on it mm. you, it's not something that I want to show my daughter for example but there is a comparison that, that people make with or wrestling it's singled out because if this happened on a TV show or a movie it's treated differently to happening on a on, on wrestling so in the Mr. McMahon character this is entirely in keeping with his character mm. when William Regal had joined the Kiss My Ass Club that was entirely in keeping with them and people thought that this was you know joining the Kiss My Ass Club was like the ultimate humiliation but it's TV it's what, why is it different from you know, you know somebody getting on in the movies they're not actually doing it um, but this is in keeping with the character but the, just one of the points I wanted to make about this is yes it doesn't stand the test of time but actually this was WWE strapping the rocket to Trish this was a sign that they were really investing in her because the minute you start to get you know McMahon didn't share airtime with S.A. Rios <laughs> uh, but this was a signal that they really believed in Trish and they were wanting to give her some time and focus yeah I was going to make a similar point because you talked about how she said about grabbing every opportunity that was there like the McMahons were the like focal point a lot of the time back then and still are now to a certain extent so she's coming out wherever Vince McMahon's coming out. She's going to be in the premier segments on Raw or SmackDown. Like, they had this whole thing where Stephanie was going to be in the corner of Triple H when he challenged Kurt Angle and then Trish decides, I'm going to be in Kurt's corner. And a lot of the promo package for that match at the Royal Rumble is about the thing between Trish and Stephanie and the whole Vince thing. And then that led to Trish's first proper singles match against uh, Stephanie because before then they just put her in tag matches with people she was managing because... I think she was still trained, so it protected her. So, and given it was against Stephanie, who also wasn't fully trained, mm-hmm. the quality of match that they put on was better from what you'd expect, given they weren't technically fully trained yet. If you're looking at any positives from this kind of angle, it's the pop that she gets in Mania mm-hmm. when right. she when she slaps. Was it Stephanie or Vince or both of them in the, across the chops? I think it was Vince. I'm sure. Then she mm-hmm. chases Stephanie off. Yeah, that's it. The, the pop is actually great, and as Gary said, it kind of straps the rocket to her in the years to come. I mean, a lot of the stuff she kind of does in a couple of years after that we kind of talk about in the whole bit with Lita is it kind of a lot of it kind of intertwines but one of the great feuds says Scott I'll go you're giving this one is um, one that she did with Victoria uh, in 2002 end of 2002 <laughs> which kind of led to a very underrated match I think it's fair to say it's at Madison Square Garden for that year's Survivor Series yeah because people talk about a lot of the first time errors that we're getting nowadays like the TLC matches the women's hell in sale matches but it's women were like weren't using weapons based matches, especially no. at this time. So this hardcore match gets very overlooked and it went back to how Trish came in because she and Victoria had similar backgrounds and she felt jealous that 
Trish got brought in, they, they had their eyes on her, but they overlooked her. And I think even nowadays, Victoria is one of the few ones from that team who doesn't get she does not get the, She does not get the justice I don't right. think she deserves. Mm-hmm. There's always she that, there is always somebody every now and then, I don't know if we're still doing it, but every now and then at pay-per-views you see some guy at the back with a sign that says Victoria for Hall of Fame every bloody year. Somebody has a sign saying Victoria for Hall of Fame, and I think it's probably only a matter of time before she is in. But I mean, she should be in the Hall yeah, of definitely. Fame. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Even for that, and I'm working, I work on TNA is great as well, you know. Not, not with testing Albert, but the actual <laughs> <laughs> He's had, Victoria had an absolutely stellar career. I think one of the things that Trish really benefited from is some of the women that she wrestled with at the time were really seasoned wrestlers. So when you look at the match at Survivor Series when she won the title for the first time, yeah, she was, yeah, the people, you know, Lita, Jacqueline, Jazz, Molly, Holly and Ivory, you know, they're some really solid workers. She's probably the least experienced uh, least gifted at that point and ring worker out of them all. There was a lot of green stuff, but she took a lot on clearly, and you kind of see that in the kind of work with Victoria, Molly, Holly, Gail, Kim. Mm. But you mentioned the kind of how she learned from these people, uh, Jack. It probably led to her, in a few years later, probably her greatest feud out with Lita was the feud she had with Mickey James. Yes. Uh, uh, probably, I think it was about early 2016, early, late 2015. 2005? 2005. I think it was like in the later half of the 2000s, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that, was probably maybe the time I was starting to watch wrestling. I was kind of. I was perplexed by the dynamic they had. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, there was that kiss. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that can't happen. <laughs> Surely. Yeah. But then that, again, that kind of. That was maybe the kind of very first program I was invested in wrestling purely because I didn't, I didn't get it. Jack, I'm loving your insights already in this <laughs> over the course of this show. I mean, I, yeah, bluntness. That's <laughs> the point. It's it's what you want. That's absolute man. No compl- no complaints on that. And Scott, the um, the WrestleMania match they had mm-hmm. was one of the first examples. Maybe other than they had Cena Triple H was on the same card, but yeah. there was a lo- one of the first examples you see where the crowd mm-hmm. went opposite from the script. Yeah, in terms of. Mickey, the cheers that Mickey got and the booze that Trish got. Yeah, no, because I think it was mainly because they appreciated Mickey's like character work during that because she was fantastic throughout that whole thing. The obsessive fan of Trish, who's now on the same roster and couldn't believe it, and they did this diva like Halloween contest, and she comes out dressed as Trish with her own cardboard version of the women's title, and then Trish comes in her costume and just looks at Mickey like, "What are you doing?" And then I'll never forget. I remember watching me on Twitter when she wins. And JR, the first thing he says is, that nut job is the champion. <laughs> <laughs> Very blunt, a bit bluntness there from JR. Gary, Trish does a great job in helping establish Mickey James, I think, in this feud, which is, is, this was probably one of her last big feuds, so it kind of shows the full circle of her career. I think it was a great feud for both of them. I We were talking about, do some of the angles stand the test of time? Mm-hmm. Well, the... the Craze fan hint of lesbian fondness on it. It's, it, it. That bit doesn't stand the test of time, but it really helped to elevate Mickey. I remember when Mickey won the title, there, and I was really shocked with at the that match. Yeah. She didn't really have many matches at that particular no, point. She wrestled a lot during this angle, you know? No. And I know uh, WWE has been guilty of hot shot in the women's title in particular on to somebody new so Gail Kim for example winning it on her first night mm-hmm. in the company um, but it really did help establish Mickey as a star and it didn't diminish Trish 
in any way and I think that's one of the one of the qualities of Trisha we mentioned you know she had a number of feuds over her career where both people came out looking good in the back of it Absolutely now um, moving on from Trista now we'll come up and talk to more about her a bit later on we're going to now go back to Lita and Jack I think of her first big feud away from Gary's favourite wrestler Essie Rios <laughs> Um was her joining up with the Hardy Boys uh, to join Team Extreme? Uh, what's your memories of uh, this kind of Team Extreme trio? I loved it. It was the, the the spots, the action, the matches, everything about it. When you're a wee kid, you're wanting to see folk going through tables or hit by chairs, and that's exactly what you got from them three. <laughs> so it's just, it was enjoyable programming. At that time, I probably enjoyed watching Wait I Maybe More to Trish because just purely kind of like the spot fest of that kind of centric era, but not. Definitely enjoyed that pairing and then the following rivalries that came with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, it was a match made in heaven between the three of them. Yeah, definitely, because it wasn't Team Extreme or the Hardys with Leah, it was them collectively as Team Extreme. And people forget how all in they went in with Leah because she got women's title opportunities against like Survivor Day in China around this time. She was having intergender matches, she had a weird feud with Team Malenko because they thought we need to give Team <laughs> Malenko some personality, so let's make him this weird ladies' man who is obsessed with getting a date with Lita for some reason then they have a match where if Lita lost and she did so she had to go on a date with with uh, Dean Malenko which then ended with the Hardy jumping Dean Malenko in a hotel room Dean Malenko does not scream all the ladies man to me no. no he did have pretty cool entrance music at the time is that what is, is, is that the thing that gets on the ladies you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean unless you're going to the restaurant and they play the music for your entrance just walk about <laughs> some speakers he goes up to ladies like you know why they call me the man of a thousand holds who oh. <laughs> <laughs> needs the Kama Sutra <laughs> I think when you look back at them, it's hard to believe now that they weren't purposely created as that trio. They weren't brought in because you look at them, they just look like they they belong together as a as a group. And Lita was incredibly, you know, the Hardys were incredibly popular. Lita at that time was one of the hottest acts about. And Jack mentioned about her appeal to uh, younger viewers uh, and certainly WWE's demographic at that time where was largely teenage boys and uh, Lita looked very different to the rest of the women in the roster and the way she dressed was very of the mid 2000s if I just leave it there <laughs> the jeans weren't quite at the level they should have been yes <laughs> yes in those instances you pull your pants up but not your trousers <laughs> Uh, and I think her popularity, uh, Gary again, we'll go back to you, this one, was kind of highlighted by the fact that it's often kind of forgotten about due to a match we'll talk about later on, that she main evented Raw in August 21st, 2000, against Stephanie McMahon to win the Women's Championship. The Rock was a special referee, this was a high profile match. Doesn't get the same appeal as the one we had in Trish because there's obviously the involvement with like Triple H, The Rock and that type of stuff, but what a moment for her to have this so early in her career. I mean, it's it's the Lita's equivalent of what I was saying earlier on of uh, with Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. You know, if she's in the ring with Stephanie, that's a trusted spot. If she's getting sharing the spotlight with The Rock, it's an incredible spot. Something that Ross McCloud would easily sacrifice Scott's life for. <laughs> that one, mm-hmm. and also we must 
we can't can't talk about Lita without mentioning how she got away from Essie Rios and it was her catching him flirting with the Godfather's hose <laughs> which then led to her um, being powerbombed through a table and I bet she's internally grateful for that <laughs> that moment yeah I mean you know that's a similar one similar to the two of them getting powerbombed through the table you know <laughs> took their careers on completely different paths yeah basically I think it's like you said like it seemed weird that they weren't meant to be a trio, but more so than not in wrestling, things that weren't supposed to happen seemed like they happened so perfectly that you think it was the plan all along. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as good as the SEO Reels kind of was for it, first, I think she eventually you knew how to get away with that. Because I think there was a match where it was SEO Reels and Eddie Guerrero having a match on pay for you, which meant Leah got a mix up with China on the outside. Yeah. And I think up to that point, before Trish they were up, China was the only woman who had reached the same level of prominence that they were getting in terms of TV time. Did they not have a mixed tag match? I think they did at some point. A mixed tag match at one particular point. I remember that one quite briefly. But when you talk about the kind of match made in heaven and obviously the bump stick, one of the great memories of was uh, TLC2 at WrestleMania 17 with some of the bump stick on that one. How, what was it like to kind of first time see a woman take that level of punishment? I would say captivating in a way that's something that's completely unexpected, something you'd never imagine like a a woman at that time, even a woman at all, just doing what she was doing. I don't think many men would have took the goal off her right. Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was. Watching it at first, I was like, why? Why would they do that? She's just she's gonna die. Like why? Why? But then, obviously, now you're kind of understanding it a bit more. But it was definitely it was eye catching to say the least that that was able to happen. Yeah, I remember she comes in, she takes like the three D, I think, in that match as well, and she nearly kills poor Spike Dudley, smashing that chair over his head. I've never seen a chair bent so badly that Ross hasn't sat in. <laughs> I still have that chair. I'm, 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 I'm keeping that chair till like it's married. <laughs> it's going to be his wedding gift, but from one high to the lows, Gary, and as he, she had up, there was injuries that kind of derailed her career and put into the same pit Trish, but when she kind of started getting back from injuries, she had, she was paired in the feud with Scott's favourite Kane, uh, Matt Hardy and eventually Edge. Yeah, I mean from one extreme to the next because the the partnership with Kane and I, I, it's interesting when we were talking about some of the highlights of Trish's career we were able to pull out feuds with other female wrestlers that elevated both. I don't think Lita has that as much in her career. She doesn't have that. I, I, I was struggling to really find a female feud other than Trish. Yeah, and it's really these these angles with men, some of the men she had. The Kane thing I thought was a complete train wreck. <laughs> but the the pairing with Edge, oh my God, they were amazing together. Oh, I'm sure Scott would disagree. And he <clears> thought the Kane <throat> one was a match made in heaven. I mean, no, more so a match made in hell, but you know, in the best way. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is her storyline with Kane was pure sober. We talked about that and the Edge wedding and the best wedding show. Like both very eventful ones. Mm-hmm. The second one more so because this first one didn't have a priest getting tombstones. But I think the thing with both Trish and Leah is they were guilty. WWE as were guilty of constantly pairing them with people. They thought that was better than them being their own because they weren't f- focusing on women purely as in their own solo stories. But I think unlike Trish, Leah was more one who's trusted more to mix up with the guys more than not. Mm-hmm. And Jack, I paired them with Edge. For a whole career, pretty much, she was this baby face, high flying, everybody loved her. It was amazing how much she flipped it to turn into that hated figure when she was with Edge. Yeah, and I think it, it, it definitely worked so well, especially as like, kind of one of my 
One of my favourite moments, I think, is maybe got Edge with one of my favourite wrestlers, was when he cashed in the money in the bank at New Year's Revolution against John Cena. And then Cena at the top of the stage, just like kind of kissing, rubbing it in their face, like, haha, get up, you have got your belt. <laughs> that moment kind of got to me like, damn, she had me off of evil, she wanted to be. They did some other. Uh, Risky stuff together. Uh, nice night on Rob. Yeah, <laughs> the live sex. The best uh, celebration of all time. <laughs> celebration. And some of the, the stuff they did was amazing. Take uh, just uh, some of the things they did together was amazing. Uh, and that incident it was Ric Flair, wasn't it? Yeah, interrupted it. Interrupted it, and then John Cena appears, and of course, if anybody's going to interrupt, it's got to be the Nature Boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm surprised they didn't join in. <laughs> <laughs> Going Flair, he probably for years in WCW every time he won a new world title. Like, come on, let me do a life sex celebration. Come on, yeah. Right on Saturday mornings, children watch this. Yeah, but the bit that she did with Cena would be kind of the role she played in a lot of edges matches. Didn't interfere. She maybe get get beat down a little bit or take some bumps in them and the build up to it. But really, really fantastic. It's just we mentioned about when she came back, but one of the things that WWE did to try and keep her in the spotlight was use her in commentary on Sunday Night Heat, and she also commented commentated again on the May Young Classic. Somebody so charismatic, yet on commentary, oh she's she, oh yeah, she was definitely. awful, absolutely awful. Her and, G- at her. Her and JR were the worst pairing. I think one of the worst paired commentary teams of all. Almost as bad as you and Scott. <laughs> Cheers. I do my, my best to try and prop him up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Please, you're like Adam Stevens to my question mark. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the full enthusiasm in that pairing. I mean, I mean, I, I, I would think it would be better for numbers if we did put you in a mask, but yeah. But I think I, we, I, I would agree on that. Yeah, I think yeah, with Lee and Jr. We've talked about he's coming to an AW. He's not the quite the same GR that we grew up with, so more than not, he needs somebody to bit properly bounce off of, like he had with the King back in the day, and he's got that in, t- in some ways with like Excalibur and AEW, but he just didn't have that with Lita. So it's two kind of one inexperienced commentator, one commentator who's not at their peak anymore. Mm. It didn't really make for the best like listening when you're trying to watch the the you know, classic every time Kyrie's here, like, oh yeah. She likes boats. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. It kind of ruined the May Young Classic for me. But um, that's pretty much a brief recap of their careers separately. After we take a short break, we're going to talk about how their careers were intertwined and all the stuff they kind of did together. So much that we're going to talk about in the second half as well as their respective returns, minus May Young Classic commentary. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a short break, obviously, and here's the, the promo clip from one of Trish and Lita's matches in their career we'll see you in a bit this is Daz Black and you're listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Lita is a loser how you doing? you doing alright? because I mean I heard you're all pregnant and stuff you look uh, a little chubby I thought it was just plain terrible he didn't even have a maid of honour I even wore white because I knew that you couldn't look guys it's a beautiful baby. Oh. Open your heart, just like you opened your legs. Lita, the walking kiss of death. Come Survivor Series, you're gonna lose to me, just like you lost your baby. There's no reasoning with Lita after all the barbs that she suffered from Trish Stratus. And Trish goes face first into that steel chair. Lita wants to run a rearrangement. Oh my god! Lita hammering Trish with a steel 
this was not about the women's title. As far as Lita was concerned, it was all about revenge. You're right. Well, I hope you're happy. Because of you, I have to wear this thing that covers my entire face. My beautiful face. And Lita, you are going to pay for doing this to me. Trish Stratus puts the women title on the line against the walking kiss of death, Lita. Lita is looking to win the women's championship. We've been waiting for this a long time. Trish, month after month, oh. trying to humiliate Lita. And that's how badly Lita wants to become the women's champion. Two beautiful women crashing and burning, all for the sake of the women's title. Lita, what you doing here? Trish, get up, Trish! Lita's got no business up here, it's all or nothing! Woman's wrestler ever. Lita had to practically kill herself just to beat me. I am the new women's champion. At New Year's Revolution, one of the most anticipated rematches in the women's division that I can ever remember. She better enjoy every single second of being champion because I will get my title back. Hey folks, it's Nathan Crusher here. You may have heard that we at Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat recently started a Patreon. That's right, from as little as $4 a month, you can get access to a plethora of bonus shows and content, including the Monday Night Rewind, where I will be reviewing every single episode of Raw and Nitro from the Monday Night War, all with some special guests. If that tickles your fancy, then head over to patreon.com suplexretweet and join now. and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson. I'm joined by Scott, Jack, Gary and Kwaku. And we are talking about Trish and Lita before we get back on to this discussion. Thanks to Daz Black for his soundbite. You can hear his interview with us very soon on our feed. Available on all good Android podcast sites, iTunes, Spotify, any podcast sites, you know. Just, just search for us and you'll find us. Uh, we'll get back on the discussion and in the first half we talked about their careers separately. And now we're going to talk let's talk about their careers together. Uh, Scott, I'll start with you. The, kind of the first ever interaction was very soon on from their debuts when mm-hmm. we started seeing a feud between TNA and the Hardy Boys. Yeah, this was quite like what I was saying earlier but she would always be in tag matches to get protect her lack of experience and also it kind of made sense because she was the value who always interfered so then she had to get in the ring along with the person she was managing and I think Lita with her experience they actually put on some really good stuff like I think they had that six person tag match uh, fully loaded 2000 mm-hmm. which was the first time we really got a chance to see the kind of how good these two could be like in the ring together mm-hmm. yeah and then as the developments went on Gary you mentioned earlier on the Survivor Series um Matchup that they had in tw- 2001 with each other. Um, what was your thoughts on the two of them in this match? Obviously, it was quite a crowded field, but did, did anything stand out from the two of them really from your memory? 
Oh, to be honest, Stephen, I'd be struggling to say if I remembered lots of highlights of the match. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the finish springs to mind with that. Actually, I thought one of Stratus's best-looking satisfaction moves at that time. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was interesting that Korea at this point has got touched on the fully loaded matches. They their career seemed to do this of them feuding and then they went into the invasion, the tag team and the invasion angle mm-hmm. where they had that five star classic with Tori and Stacey <laughs> and then uh, back to feuding and their career, their story together seems to have this fallout makeup, fallout makeup pattern to it. You mentioned that match, Jack, based on your analysis in the first half, that would have been a match you really enjoyed probably. <laughs> That's top tier quality, <laughs> upper echelon stuff. No, even from like a kind of a, a, a wrestling perspective, I, I kind of enjoyed it. It was something that was easily kind of invested in. It wasn't really the greatest, but it was like easy to watch and kind of see what they could potentially do. So I, I, I'd say I enjoyed it. Well, I'd say about the, the matches of Irises where I think it was right that Trish kind of won it because she was one of the more prominent women at the time because the title had briefly disappeared after the whole thing of China leaving. And I'm glad that they kind of waited till like a year and a half into Trish's proper run with the WWE to actually give her the title because one of the biggest complaints with the Divas era was there were women who probably weren't at the level they should have been to be the champion getting the title before they were ready mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and in the 24 documentary Trish touches on this as I think some of the reaction of surprise that she got because she wasn't the best wrestler out of the, out of the group and she was looked more like the stereotypical WWE diva but she was getting better in the ring and she was an incredible athlete they have a decent match the two of them along with Jazz I think at Wrestlemania 18 yeah, I think that's quite a, a bit of a sleeper match in terms of that overall card's a really good card that Wrestlemania 18 card yeah I think it had the misfortune of following Rock Hogan on that card so it was a really it was a dead spot for anybody I think what was unfortunate about the women's matches at that era or that time is they were used as the what I understand Vince McMahon refers to as the let me up matches (laughs) so where people would go for their popcorn break so you've had the high You then can't bring people back down for them to then get up again. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Or as it's derogatively called, the bathroom break match. Yeah. <laughs> I thought let me let me up was a wee bit more polite to <laughs> this description. Mm-hmm. But they kind of went through that phase of kind of teaming for a while. He said yeah, the classic matches we discussed. Also the feuds were fair, Molly and Gail Kim. But then the real big uh, storyline as a team was in the, the end of 2003 Kwaku with your, uh, your man Jericho mm-hmm. uh, the famous bet for the Canadian dollar <laughs> <laughs> I just remember seeing the two of them groveling to begging for forgiveness mm-hmm. in that ring with their big bunch of roses <laughs> trying to keep them sweet again and oh dear oh dear that, that, was, that was for me one of the better times of Jericho when he had those silly promos and stuff like that and showed the kind of, I don't know, like, it was just, that to me, that Jericho's, like, this is the big thing with me and Jericho, was just how he didn't take himself seriously. He would put himself in stupid positions and the way that them two played that, I just loved it. I mean, I'm really saying that this was a, 
tag team women versus men. Men. I heard that battle of the sexes. Aye, that battle of the sexes was called Armageddon 2003. It was called with Jericho and who should be in the Hall of Fame in 2020, Christian. Don't you start with this. I don't want to listen to Sarah talk about it. This was... uh, Give the peeps what they want. Yeah, this was a good reintroduction for Lita because she'd been off for... She'd missed nearly a year, didn't she, for the neck surgery? She suffered a... That was a serious neck injury. Yeah, She kind of came back... Remember, that comeback didn't really feel as big as it should have been. You know, it kind of fell a bit flat. She kind of helped. She came back to help Trish in that feud with Molly and Gail Kim. Mm. But then fell kind of... She was a bit of the afterthought, I think, in this whole feud. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. I mean, well, by case in point, is by the time we get to WrestleMania, she is out of the feud, isn't she? It's it's pure. It's, it's Jericho, Jericho Christian, <laughs> and Trish. and it's revolved around Trish. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what the end is? Remember what actually happened to Lita uh, at this particular point? I think it was I think it was mainly because she'd been out for so long. I think people just like people had almost forgotten her. I think because she'd been away for so long. Because Maybe oh, maybe people by the time were tuning into the night he to hear her excellent commentary. Oh, she was only here in the bathroom. I think it was, sometimes it would be her, her and Al Snow or her and Coachman. That sounds brutal. I think maybe they thought the story was better with Trish, Wade Jericho, and then eventually Christian. And I think, in fairness, it kind of was because that match with Jericho and Christian, which then Trish gets involved in, is kind of a sleeper. It's a decent match. match. It's a decent match on that WrestleMania card. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it comes about third or fourth on the card, but yeah. it's a nice position. It's well worked in terms of a story. Yeah. Angle. Well, also it then leads on to um, how long after that is it that Trish suffers at the hand of Viscera? Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, 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 we're going to talk about that. Yeah. You're skipping I points. Was, I just. He's excited. I just don't trust you to <laughs> give him his attention. It's on the notes there if you want to see it. Right. Okay. So we have well to be talked about, but. After the turn with Trish, that perfectly leads on to probably one of the most iconic moments in women's wrestling at that time, Jack. It's the match on December 6, 2004 on Raw, where these two main evented that that show. No other guys, no Rock, no Triple H, no anything like that. It was just two women's wrestlers main event at the Monday Night Raw. What was the significance of that moment in that particular era? So I completely kind of landmark moment and that was a kind of tighter saying we've arrived we're here we're ready to do show that we can do but everyone else kind of felt that they were definitely the two right characters to do it being in the prominent positions they were at at the time it was just definitely showed that they definitely was a call for a time for change mm-hmm. and it felt it started from that moment mm-hmm. sorry i was just going to say it's amazing when you look at that because the match before they get in the ring is benoit and jericho versus batista and triple h and huge vote of confidence that that that's, that's a match that could main event any show that yeah was. that this match was picked to be the main event mm-hmm. yeah. so we were talking about the whole thing with Kane and the whole soap opera train right that was but that played a part really in this feud because uh, Trish was basically her whole thing was slagging Leah because she was going to get fat now that yeah, she was pregnant she was chubby Aye, and mm-hmm. she kept uh, she brought her a photo of a baby with Kane's face photoshopped on top of it as a gift, and then she slagged her for losing the baby because like, they really trying to about the fact because it was always better when it was Trish as the heel, Leah as the oh, face. Don't talk to about Snitsky. <laughs> All you need to know is it wasn't his fault. Yeah. But then they had that thing in Survivor Series which led into this match on Raw where Leah showed a level of brutality you didn't see for a lot when she was properly smashing uh, Trish's face in it. Instead, she had to wear that protective face mask for a while. And then you had this match on Raw, which for a lot of young fans like me at the time, we didn't see. The face mask actually led to the, the infamous uh, <laughs> uh, opening of Raw with her. 
Shelton Benjamin <laughs> <Seven Man. man. laughs> <laughs> with a towel what the heck was that WWE is great at some of these just really random things I'm, I'm pretty sure Vince says to Shelton goes Shelton I don't know if you're aware of this but you're an African American <laughs> I mean, I think he's noticed by now this this show today is proven to be a surprisingly good plug for the series we've got coming on the Patreon network of the Obscure Wrestling Chronicles, isn't it? As we've mentioned, obviously, the legend, Viscera. <laughs> Shelton Benjamin's been brought up. Coachman's commentary. Al Snow, who's we've got an interview with Snicks. Yeah. Yeah, there's a huge, it's great material here. <laughs> for something. Um... <laughs> uh, Oh, what did you What did you think of the match between Trish and Lee? Oh, the match was great. <laughs> oh, it was a very good match. There's a great call right at the end of the match where Jim Ross, where, well, I think when Lita goes for the moonsaults, that he makes a fuss. No business up there, get down. And really overselling the moonsault, which is a dangerous move that's mm-hmm. done far too often, like a suicide dive to an extent. Now, and but he, he slips up at the end uh, of the match when he's, he's very excited and he, he goes, both men. Women <laughs> have left it all in the ring tonight. Uh, the one shame it came from that one was that Lita had to, got injured doing the suicide dive yeah. in that particular match, and that obviously cost her reign as champion. Yeah, I think what was you know, looking back at this match now and at the weekend just passed with a TLC where there was a women's match as the main event, and nobody said anything of it. It's just taking you know, the women there's a piece in the BBC website that argued that professional wrestling is the first sport to have achieved gender equality because people cheer just as loudly for the female stars now as they do the male and the fact that women are now main events and other shows it's not as big a deal as it used to be mm-hmm. but that goes back you know this is the genesis of it yeah and it's a shame that we had to get injured because I think there were plans for them to do something her and Trish a proper blank blow thing at Mania as well mm-hmm. and that ended up being Leah having to be in the corner of Christy Hemi she went up against Trish I think it was just a case of Leah's style at the time as exciting as it was that led her to have quite a few injuries like it's a similar thing we had with Sasha Banks mm-hmm. last year where there was talk about the reason she hadn't properly defended the title was because she was there was worries she was too injured going to have a long reign well with Leah out injured you know mm-hmm. obviously it's a Trish had to do things with Christy Hemi but yeah. then in post WrestleMania, this is where we throw to Gary and there was a feud between they two via Kane Scott's yes. favourite obviously and yeah. Viscera the match, yeah. of, match of 2005 Kane v Viscera backlash it's forget I don't care who Dominic's dad is forget Michael's v Angle so this was Trish looking <laughs> to get some some muscle to even the score and I should remember this. Viscera wins the match, doesn't he? Oh, sure. I think, no, no, in my mind, Viscera wins. <laughs> Your uh, mind, Viscera wins everything. So afterwards, but this, uh, Trish came to regret this because she gave uh, Viscera a piece of her mind afterwards and Viscera <laughs> didn't, like, didn't take it easy on her and uh, Trish was like the... Almost like the poor wicked witch stuck underneath that house as it was. <laughs> Jack, what's your thoughts on Viscera? <laughs> What's your favourite Viscera match, Jack? <laughs> My favourite? See, to be honest, I can't even tell you. I can remember Big Daddy V stuff, but no. <laughs> you should no put them on the spot like that. I mean, picking your favourite Viscera match is like picking your favourite rainbow. But it was always, I kind of, during that time, I always kind of got that creepy hilarity off him that I thought it was only him that could pull off. 
this was pre-silky pyjamas uh, one of the regrets I think of this feud and, and Scott mentioned the, the impact of the injury is the Trish Lita feud never really got that for me at least never really got that big blow off never got that big moment that big spotlight it, the Wrestlemania match mm-hmm. you know uh, if you listen to uh, the review of Wrestlemania 2000 we talk about Viscera's Wrestlemania moment <laughs> when he goes to the top rope uh, but Trish and Lita as a, as a duo actually never really had that feud deserved a payoff which I don't think they ever got I can't remember Viscera going to the top rope anyway we watched that match yeah. that's very much like the boulder from Indiana Jones coming down on you mm. oh, but, well you say the top rope and it's suddenly become the middle rope <laughs> yeah. surprisingly not <laughs> but yeah you talk about that big moment, that big blow-off, they kind of got it on a stage that was significant to one of them, and then Trish, Scott, got you in this one, the match in Toronto, mm-hmm. Unforgiven 2006, it was Trish's, well it was a retirement match, obviously she has wrestled again, which we'll talk about later on, yeah. but uh, did you feel like, other than maybe the 2004 match the two of them had, this is the one of the first times you kind of felt a big match feel mm-hmm. for a women's match. Yeah, given the fact that it was her retirement and it was her hometown, this was before the uh, long tradition of people being humiliated in their hometown. Mm-hmm. And I know I said before that Trish played the better heel in, in their dynamic. This was one of the few times where you were proven wrong in that, where you didn't think Lita would be the good as good as a heel as Trish was. But she was the one of the most despised people in the roster because mm-hmm. of her relationship with Edge. And because Trish was going to her own time, she was going to get cheered regardless. So they managed to take their usual dynamic and flip on his head and make it effective. And Trish even busts the the, uh, the sharpshooter for the big Canadian pop. Yeah. And wrestling, you get humiliated in your hometown. On this podcast, you get humiliated on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring that up, didn't you? Of course. We're having such a good time. It's Christmas and all. <laughs> uh, Guy, what was your thoughts on the, the building the match itself? Yeah, it was again. This is mentioned in the documentary. Trish's con- contract was up. She wanted to retire, and Vince McMahon pitched the idea to her of staying around a few more months to give her this this send off. It is the perfect storybook ending for somebody. It's the type of ending that most wrestlers seem to look for. And she got a good match to finish off. And you think about people that have had great careers, and so many of them search for that perfect ending probably one of the reasons why so many of them keep coming back why Mick Foley had 19 returns Terry Funk yeah (laughs) and so on so it was a really perfect ending I was so surprised at the outcome of the match because we knew going into it that that she was going they said that in the document as well usually when you when you leave you go out on your back Trish is the one that you didn't do it and you were like yeah it's fine yeah, and there's very few people that you would say you could argue or quibble with that with, and she probably falls into that category. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody like The Undertaker would be another, probably one of the only men that you could throw up that you could say actually deserved that honour. But the build up to the match, she was such an. Lita was such a good heel. Yeah. And her heel work at that time was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack, what was your thoughts? I thought that like kind of from the time of that Roman event to the end, there was kind of this obscurity over kind of women's dress. There wasn't really kind of much happening, uh, and for that point to come about to be the kind of big, oh, it probably was the blow-off match it should have had at Mania. For that to be it, I felt that that was kind of the, the right time for that to happen. I agree that Trish should have won the match. I don't feel as if there was anyone else on that kind of level that could win and still kind of go off. It's uh, could you imagine? We know Canada's like. <laughs> How they, re- how they react to a lot of things. Uh, Sean Michaels still can't go to Canada without getting absolutely booed. Could you imagine how 
the reaction in that building. Oh, there'd be that. been absolute scenes. It'd be. It'd be carnage. I mean, with certain exceptions, sometimes because there have been times where certain wrestlers, like if they're poorly booked, uh, even when they go to the hometown, they'll be booed. Like I remember Edge was in a bland babyface run for a while, and he even got booed in his hometown. But other than that, the Canadian fans are very loyal because they'll even now, even if Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn aren't doing anything. Whenever they have a roar that in Toronto or in anywhere in Canada, mm-hmm. they'll get the biggest reaction of the night. They come out top French half the time. I know, which is really interesting because we think uh, the women's match opened SummerSlam this year, and we talked about this in our review of SummerSlam. Becky, Becky, Becky going over Natalia, that could have backfired big studio <laughs> on WWE. That's why a lot of people were surprised that one went on first because oh, yeah. obviously, if that, luckily Becky is a popular enough character that they kind of pushed it through enough you know and everybody kind of likes her. Do you imagine if that was Charlotte in that position? Mm-hmm. Oh. Imagine, well Charlotte didn't Charlotte, was. Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte was in the position later than the, oh, card, yeah. <laughs> the card which mm-hmm. will... Uh, if it's Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens st- riots in the street. <laughs> Should this match have main evented that pay-per-view? Mm. Well I think yes I know like, I think only more you know because you had a Canadian in the main event because you had Edge yeah. and I think to them Cena was we thought hope Cena would get cheered wherever he went, that was not the case. Yeah. You think you should have made a bit? Uh, if there or I would I would have said yes purely just because of the retirement angle. See if there was no retirement, I would have said no. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 It would have been purely sentimental reasons to put it on last. There was no story I don't think the story was strong enough on its own to be last. But it was a fitting way to kind of cap off their on-screen rivalry to have it have this one, and then Lita would retire very, very shortly after. And what a different retirement send-off she got. Oh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. But the thing about it is they both have technically retired then in 2006, but as with wrestlers, <laughs> retirement means absolutely nothing. And they have made returns at various points. So Trish was the first one to make a return shortly after in 2008, Scott, where she teamed with Mr. Cena to take <laughs> on the team of Santino Morella and Beth Phoenix. Yeah, that was a weird one. Like The other ones like, have been on like, major pay-views. There was one she returned for a WrestleMania. That makes sense. For a random Raw, I think it's just I think they were in Canada. They wanted a big hometown pop. and It just seemed weird. It seemed too soon after she went away to, for her to come back. I think it was a case of... Beth Phoenix was basically the most prominent heel woman at the time. We thought, oh, it would be nice if we got Trish and someone like Beth to mix up. But Gary, they gave her shortly afterwards a bit more of a prominent stage to return at WrestleMania 27, uh, where she teamed with John Morrison and Snooki. <laughs> to, take, to take on him. I completely forgot that Snooki <laughs> being there. Jesus. Did, did it walk up from your mind? Yes. What, what was your favourite Snooki match? <laughs> Uh, taking on the team of uh, Dolph Ziggler and uh, Lee Cool. Lee Cool. The curse of Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> uh, Lee Cool, I mean, they were great heels at the time. Um, in the the snooky bit, just just why? <laughs> why? <laughs> um, but the, the, yes, this is the type of, you know, maybe not this particular construct of match, but this is the type of moment that people should be coming back for the the one-off pop bit, which they, they're actually quite guilty of when you look back and we'll probably talk about some of the appearances that 
uh, Lita and Tristan they were more often than not those one off shots rather than but working towards a big payoff moment. One of the great examples, Jack, was uh, Raw 1000, where uh, Lita was one of those various legends who had their grief with Heath Slater. Do you, do you remember that <laughs> oh, one? Yes, I do. I remember watching that. I kind of. I wish she wasn't in it. Purely for the fact that she could have just done something completely different, then just dying on me alright. But she only won that match because of the APA. Can we, can we remember some of the names who appeared in that kind of whole angle? And oh, Vader. Mm-hmm. Psycho Sid. Doink. 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 David Dallas Page as well. David Dallas Page, yeah. Um, there was um, a good few. More obscure wrestlers. <laughs> Did we say Slaughter as well? Rikishi? Rikishi. Because uh, remember he danced with their so mm-hmm. Even the more I talk about it, the more I'm just getting to hate it. <laughs> what? I mean, I went Rikishi on this... I didn't enjoy it. I, I enjoyed seeing Leica that because when you think about her retirement, how in one instance, because she was such a heat heel, you should have her get humiliated on her way out because as a heel in a way yeah. getting her comeuppance. But the thing with her, I think the reason she left is because she had so many like injuries at that time, so she wanted to leave while she still could go. But the thing with her, I thought Leah, I'm happy to see her come because I thought Leah still had a lot to offer. Whereas Trish, I think it felt like she'd done all she could at that point. Yeah, one of the nice comebacks that that Lita got. I mean, it, it's a really obscure moment, but it was something that she was really desperate to do. She got that on-screen interaction with the guest host of Monday Night Raw, Pee Wee Herman. It <laughs> <laughs> um, was. I kind of blocked that one from my memory. Yeah. <laughs> Any Wonder why? I really thought you were going to say WrestleMania Fairy to no, what she presented the new championship. We'll come to that. <laughs> ah, well. <laughs> right, we'll come to that then. Yeah. What do you think of that? That was um, perhaps understated moment, but historically really significant moment. In the minute the WWE recognised uh, the female superstars as superstars as wrestlers not divas yeah, and changed the, the title and thing. what a match yeah and uh, Lita her prime in a match with with those three with Charlotte Sasha Banks and Becky I mean she wouldn't have looked out of place in no, that match definitely not and as we moved on then to in a couple of years afterwards to 2018 Scott mm-hmm. we had a lot of these big first time ever for women's wrestling of course the Royal Rumble and Evolution yeah. these two very prominently featured in that one in the Royal Rumble match itself mm-hmm. and on the Evolution card in the opening match against the all-star team of Mickey James and Alicia Fox yes. um, mm-hmm. this, no, sorry Becky, uh, Mickey James is great yeah. less, less about Alicia I think the thing I've met Alicia Fox before you've met everybody you've met Triple H and he's very, perfectly manicured hands yeah and, she, and Alicia Fox is very muscular <laughs> I, I love Alicia Fox. Uh, I think the thing that struck out to me, Scott, was the vast difference in the ability that they retained mm-hmm. between the two in these both matches, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think some people were very critical on how Lita looked coming back, but I think people forget that Trish had that fitness background. She stayed in that field with the whole yoga thing, mm-hmm. so she's that's probably why she looked a bit better. But it was one of the things where these two needed to be a part of this show because a lot of the women the current women who are on the roster credited those two as influences although for me I remember there were some people at the time who thought maybe on this show it should have been a one on Leah should have done something else it should have been one on one Trish v Mickey one more time because 
day of that face-off at the Women's Royal Rumble. It was meant to, it was meant to be Trish and uh, no, Alexa Bliss. Bliss. She got injured. Alexa Bliss got injured. That's how we got Gary the pairing of our cronies and Mickey James and Alicia Fox. Yeah, I mean, that was really unfortunate because Trish and Alexa Bliss, when it was announced, folk were really excited about it. They it like really subtly, I think, on the... Yeah, it just appeared as a graphic somewhere. There was no build-up to it at all. And there's a real difference in Trish again. Sorry to mention the documentary again. It's it's really really worth watching. The I feel like I've Tr- watched it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't need to watch it now. Uh, but Tr- Trish talks about the difference when she was training to do the match with Charlotte. The difference from doing a match versus doing spots. And the tag match is more of the latter. Certainly, the Royal Rumble was more full of spots. I think the, t- I think the tag match is. Decent until the finish. The finish is rough. Yeah, you know, with a lot of factors to it, you know. It's yeah, county three ref. Kind of, the ref kind of stops because I think it's one of the two that missed their, their spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack, moving back slightly to the Royal Rumble match, uh, Trish obviously came out as number thirty. Did you think there was anybody else that could have had that that spot, or just based on the history of her as we spoke about, she was the only person that could have been that thirty spot? Uh, for me, it was it could only have been her. Uh, Say if it was like even if it was one of the four horsewomen that came out at that time at thirty, I would have been I mean kind of annoyed and saying like oh why it was I felt it was just Trish's spot to have. My thinking was at that time watching it, it was going to be her. If it was anybody else, it was going to be Ronda because I wasn't sure if Ronda was going to debut in the match. I thought I remember there were so many people who were scared that uh, the whole thing is definitely taking credit for a woman, a women's revolution that they thought. Stephanie was going to end her cell in the Rumble so up until the number 3 I was still convinced at some point Stephanie's going to get up from commentary again so as soon as Trish's music hit I've never been so happy to hear that opening song opening lyric of her song which if you listen closely the opening line sounds a lot like Indie Sausage Roll and, and, just saying and an interesting tidbit on Stephanie McMahon while we're here on the day of us recording Stephanie did a UK media call and on the call she joked so many people a lot of fans are really glad not to see the Stephanie McMahon character uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree, Stephanie. If we never seen you on television again, that would be too soon. Um, I'm really pleased that. Oh, come on. Damn it, indictment! Yeah, but it's true. <laughs> you, do you want to make a debating chamber no, on no, why no, we no, need no, the no, Stephanie no, no, my no, character no, back? No, no arguments for me, just a bit harsh. Um, the Royal Rumble evolution, it was really great that that so many of the the women that didn't get the opportunity to take part in some of these things earlier in their careers, did so now some of them we can argue did they really need to be there, did they really deserve it? Trish and Lita really did. Well, the ones, well, the ones, the hundred percent ones that yeah, you, you couldn't have argued absolutely. them being it. And very different spots in the Royal Rumble, as you said, Lita was playing number five, Lita, Lita was, was five, yeah. and nearly killed herself with them, and so she, which, which people say is because she's past the prime, but based on our conversation, we've we've already highlighted a couple of times that she nearly killed herself doing that moonsault earlier in her career, mm-hmm. but uh, really good spots for the two of them, I thought, in the Rumble, and actually I was quite pleased they were kept apart and then Gary we'll move on a final point on the, the whole comebacks is I'll speak to you because you were there in attendance the match at SummerSlam between Trish and Charlotte Flair you talked a lot about it on the on the SummerSlam review what was the, the feeling being there live for this one I thought it was an incredible match I thought um, the atmosphere in the building was pretty incredible um, 
folk clearly behind Trish um, when she came out it was a huge pop for her and in the moment when the match was finished and Trish did retire and went out on her back this time it felt like a, a really defining moment it, uh, yeah really defining moment I thought it was a brilliant match mm. Jack what did you think of this match? I really enjoyed it I felt it was kind of too Two pillars of their era going oh, up yeah. against each other. I felt it was a kind of match that needed to happen at some point. I felt it was definitely something the fans needed to see. And mm-hmm. I thought SummerSlam was probably the best setting for that to happen. Jack, I think that's a great description. Is, is, I don't know if I'm overselling it by saying it was almost like there was the women's equivalent of Rock and Hogan. I don't know if that's overstating matters a little bit. I would, I would, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with from, yeah, obviously from a woman's perspective, you've got yeah. Trish that has Mm-hmm. And obviously, and Charlotte, who's the one in that era type idea, you know. I think we, the amount of times Trish's came out, they've used her, or you should use bringing someone back in that it's usually for one off matches against somebody from the current era, like that kind of dream match thing where you think of, oh, imagine these two people from different eras were around in the same era. So you use that, use that to your advantage and make give the people a match they want to see so they don't mind somebody coming back who's no longer a full time wrestler. Whereas it's the opposite of what they do in Saudi Arabia, where they bring someone back who's well, well past their prime. Yeah, I think that was the refreshing part about it was how good Trish, as Gary, you mentioned in the documentary, she worked incredibly hard between balancing a business, family life, to train for this comeback. She took this one seriously as any of these guys mm-hmm. coming back should. I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely, you, and it paid off. Mm-hmm. If you ask David Campbell, our resident uh, Trish Stratus expert, he would say this should have main evented. Don't know if I would have went that far. No, 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 not at all. Especially not with the outcome of it. I thought the main event for SummerSlam was a good main event. Yeah, it was. It was a match that was rumoured for a while because it was in Canada. And although when you think about it, for a match this like this like magnitude, would have thought they were doing a lot more build. No, it was just two weeks before SummerSlam. uh, Trish was on being interviewed by the King, and then. uh, Charlotte Rocks, I'm like, I've not got a match for SummerSlam. Why are fans having a match? Well, if, still- I, if I had the right build, I definitely would have think it, should, it could have been a very doubt yeah. without just like two weeks before. In the, it was a match that wasn't supposed to happen, which is mm-hmm. why the build was as short as it was. Trish was approached about doing an autograph signing yeah. and mm-hmm. pitched the idea for the match. If they had planned, they could have easily built it. They could have planted some seeds at other shows, maybe even as far back as Evolution. And it's one you could have put on. You could have put on a WrestleMania. It wouldn't have looked at a place in a WrestleMania Cup. No. Obviously, with SummerSlam being in Toronto, it was the most fitting place to have a legend to come back, and obviously a good uh, spot for Charlotte to kind of regain some momentum that she'd kind of lost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. since WrestleMania. It was like they just looked at the card and Vince was like, "Why is Charlotte not on the card? We don't have our opponent. Call somebody. I'm sure Trish Stratus is available." <laughs> Yeah, he's, that's, he's got his list of numbers like mm-hmm. Gail Kim. No, no, I can't go Gail's on. not returning my calls. <laughs> so, that has been the comebacks of these two after we've obviously talked about our respective careers. Now, it's the big question that everybody wants to listen to this podcast for this week. Who's the favourite from the wrestling community? Is it Trish? Is it Lita? Now, we are lucky that we have a community of listeners or a community of wrestling enthusiasts <laughs> who are willing to give us their opinion on who is the better of the two. We consulted our Facebook community page, the Eat Sleep Suplex community page, that's a mouthful. It's easy uh, for you to say. I know, to um, ask their opinion, they went 13 for Lita and 18 for Trish. Mm-hmm. We also consulted our Twitter following, 
for their opinion, who went 39% for Trish and 61% for Lita. Ooh. There's a bit of a split across the two, which is why we are deciding factors. Good. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you, fans. Who is your favourite? Trish or Lita? Lita. Quacky, I'll start with you then. Why Lita? Because it's Lita. She's the best. She's number one. I suppose you had this discussion on the Mount Rushmore show, I think. I remember I've had this on David Campbell and I have had so many ding-dongs in this. <laughs> The, the, the Mount Rushmore, well, that was the only time I favoured Trish over Lita. It's the one and only time only. Mm-hmm. But for me, personal preference has always been Lita. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, who, would you, who would you go with? The person I'm picking is because when we look at their careers, there are more in-ring highlights from this person, whereas the other one has more highlights were there the secondary part of it so for that reason I'm picking Trish wish we had some text background music for this one <laughs> Jack wish we'd go it, it feels like we're like sending someone through to like, the next stage of like X Factor like, like I'm dancing or something we're not talking about X Factor on this like, show it's like, was, it's like I'm celebrating Trish it might be you Lita it might one, be you one was very good in the ring and all so I'd say that uh, Purely on the basis that I can remember one more fondly wrestling, the other one I can kind of remember is kind of side skits with kind of other people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put through trash. <laughs> Scott Bomberdish. <laughs> I think I had my opinion on who I preferred going into this. I think the more we've talked about both our careers, it's really not changed my opinion. Simply for I think Trish came a lot further throughout the course of her career. Look at where she started and how she ended. So I'm going with Trish. MC. My preference is a leader of the two. However, I would argue that if you look at their careers as what we've discussed in terms of the big moments and matches, Trish has had a lot more. I won't go with Lita because it doesn't matter because Trish has won. <laughs> and Lita was my favourite, but uh, Trish definitely deserves to be the one. Quacko, don't give me that look. It can't be like the Queen of the Rings show when you, <laughs> when you pick wins both times. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's just an abomination, that's all it is really. Yeah, but if you look at the records, the records speak from Yeah, but I'm questioning their knowledge as wrestling podcast pundits. Take, take comfort in the 60 odd uh, percent on Twitter that voted for. Oh, yeah. no, I do take comfort in them. They're, oh, they're, dry they're, your eyes, Quacko. They're, 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 they're all good people. Come on, it's time to it. rock and roll. Quacko, if you've got an issue, here's an issue. Control. The one final bit of audience feedback was from Mr. David Campbell. Oh, I wonder what we deal with. His quote was Lisa's the best. Trish Stratus is the greatest detective slash human. <laughs> For those Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans out there. <laughs> is that all he wrote about that? I thought you were going to have like, a war and peace script for him. I'm a prepared statement. Or, yeah. or fact. You've got to remember, he sent me this this afternoon and that day of recalling he was very excited about the new Star Wars film. I'm a bit disappointed in him. <laughs> David, you've let yourself down. David, if you're listening to mm-hmm. this, which we know you will be, we want some more constructive feedback. Is he a huge fan after that statement? We, no. you, yeah. can tune in, you can tune in to Saturday Draft Live where I'm sure he'll have much more prepared in-depth comments on this subject. <laughs> yeah, screw talking about who's first and who's second. Trish Strass! Yeah. Uh, if, you'd, if you'd picked Trish Strass, you'd be in the lead in my eyes. I mean, so. and also, now you mentioned it, Scott, he didn't draft Trish Strass on his team either. So she could return at any moment uh, now. <laughs> Retirements are not always permanent in wrestling. Uh-huh. He calls himself the goat. So that has been our Trish and Lita show as we've highlighted the two pinnacles of the women's division, arguably up until the four horsewomen who may 
overtake them at some point in time. There's a lot of people there, maybe like police. People would argue the likes of Natalia, you know? Mickey James had a solid career as well, but not to the same level, but we'd probably go Trisha Linton and probably the Horseman would kind of uh, be the next contenders for those positions. So, next week on this show is going to be our best of 2019 episode where, as it says on the tin, we'll be looking back at all the great wrestling that's happened in this year from the likes of WWE. We'll talk about Scottish wrestling, we'll talk about uh, AEW, we'll talk about U Japan, maybe a wee bit now. We're going to talk about all the best bits that we've enjoyed from wrestling in 2019 before we get into our 2020 shows, which include the like in January, the likes of the best Rumble MVPs. Ross's Royal Rumble quiz, a sequel from his one last year. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> and we're also going to be doing our own version, potentially close to it, of the, the Meltzer ratings, where we're going to be looking at the wrestler of the decade, using a sort of scoring method. Not exactly Meltzer ratings, but you know. But better. I was going to say, but better. Yeah. I mean, if he can <laughs> do it, anybody can do it. Our six star rating system. <laughs> Not six stars as in you rank six stars, it's six star quality. Eh. <laughs> uh, for myself, Stephen Wilson, this week, I'd like to thank my panel, first of all, Scott McLeod. Thank you. To Jack Graham. Thank you very much. Gad Gernhead. Thank you, Stephen. And Kwaku Aji. Never before have I thought Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> I do know. Clearly everybody else does as well. <laughs> we will see you next week. Have a good one. Stop whatever you're doing right now. You've only got one choice. This is Billy Kirkwood. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Get on it!